Hello, everyone, and welcome to TTT, 10-Minute Torah Tamima. I'm your host, Chaim Fruchter. Every week, I bring you some insights from Rav Baruch Halevi Epstein, who lived in the late 19th and early 20th century, and authored the work that he called Torah Tamima, which could be translated as Complete Torah. He called it that because he collected Gemaras about the Psukim and the Torah and placed them alongside the Psukim so one could get an appreciation of the Torah Shabbat Peh, the Oral Law, while learning the Torah Shabbat Sav, the Written. Today we start with the third Pasuk in the Parsha, Perak Yud Beis Pasuk Gimel 12.3. Bavarcham varachecha makalelcha aor v'nivrechuvacha komish bechos I will bless those that bless you and curse the ones who curse you. And all the families of the earth shall bless themselves by you. This is Hashem talking to Avram. On this pasuk, the Torah Tamima brings the Gemara from Chulin 49a, where the Gemara wonders, the, the, we see that the Kohanim, the priests, bless the people, but who blesses the Kohanim? Amar Rav Nachum Bar Yitzchak, Rav Nachum Bar Yitzchak says, it's in our pasuk, I will bless those that bless you. That's how the Kohanim get their blessing. On this, the Torah Tamima points out that in the Midrashim, and at the end of, at the end of Parshas Toldos, when Yitzchak blessed Yaakov, his son, he used the language, Ororecha Oror, Mvarchecha Baruch. Those who curse you shall be cursed, and those who bless you shall be blessed, putting the cursing before the blessing. Yet, when Bilam blessed the Jewish people after, after he had already given up on trying to curse them, he said, Mvarchecha Baruch, putting the blessing before the curse. And this discrepancy in order of presentation is explained by the idea that the righteous often have troubles in their earthly life, but their end, the Torah Tamima doesn't say this, but presumably in the afterlife, is peace and comfort, whereas many wicked people enjoy comfort in this world, but it will not end well for them. But this concept is challenged by the Pasuk, which relates to the righteous Avram here, but starts with blessing, and ends with curse, which lines up with Bilam's practice. So Torah Tamima says maybe we can explain this by saying that Avram already had a lot of tsaris and struggles in his life up to this point, and therefore it's okay to already start talking about his blessing first. Whereas, whereas Yaakov, up until the time he received the blessing from his father, was living in peace at home. And then he says simply that it's generally better to begin saying things in a positive way, i.e. blessing, as is common parlance in the Torah when blessings and curses are mentioned together. But Yitzchak felt that he wanted to end with a blessing, presumably since this was kind of a near-end-of-life blessing for his son. And now I bring you something on Perikid Dalek Pasuk Chav Gimel 1423. The context here is a regional conflict, which is probably an understatement, involving several kings. Avram got involved when his nephew Lot was taken captive. After the dust settled, the king of Sodom offered the spoils of war to Avram. Avram refused, saying, and this is our Pasuk, I will not take so much as a thread, or a string, or a sandal strap of what is yours, and you shall not say it is I who made Avram rich. On this, the Torah Tmima brings the Gemara in Sota, Yudzayin Amanalf 17a. Dorash Rava, Rava taught, in the merit for Avram having said, I won't take a string or a shoelace from you, a shoe strap from you, his descendants merited two mitzvos, the string of tchelas, 
for the tzitzis, Ritzua Shel Tefillin, and the Strap of Tefillin. After quoting the above Gemara, the Torah Tamima mentions Rashi's comment on this Gemara, that Avram was removing himself from any gezo, from stealing. And then the Torah Tamima asks on Rashi, are we really concerned that Avram would steal? Really? And further, this wouldn't be stealing anyway, since he really had a legitimate claim to the loot, since we have a principle that one who rescues something from robbers can keep it. So the Torah Tamima says that we have to say here that Avram's refusal to take the money was because he was attempting to accomplish a kiddush Hashem, sanctification of God's name, by acting in an exemplary manner. And it is as we pask in the Shulchan Aruch that when there is a kiddush Hashem involved, in such a situation, he would be obligated to return it. And this would be Avram's merit, that he obligated himself in something that he could have been exempt from. He took this opportunity for personal gain and actively turned it into a Kiddush Hashem. The Torah Tamima then continues that were it not for Rashi's explanation, we could explain the greatness of Avram's action in the following way. As is clear from the Parsha, Avram was victorious here not in a natural way. He goes against these kings with only 318 men, and there's even an opinion that he had only his servant Eliezer. He then mentions the Gemara and Tanis, that one is forbidden from personally benefiting from miracles. And here, since this victory involved a miracle, Avram refused to profit from it. He then takes a deeper dive into the Gemara's mention of the mitzvah of tzitzis in this regard, that Avram's descendants merited the mitzvah of tzitzis corresponding to his refusal to take a string. Torah Tamima informs us about the machlokas of Rashi and the Rambam. The tzitzis, of course, consists of four strings folded over and knotted. Rashi states that two of the four should be of the kind that are dyed with a special blue techelis, while Rambam states that only one of the four need to be of techelis. While the Torah Tamima grants you can't bring a solid proof to a halachic situation from an agadic situation, there is an indication from this agada to support Rambam's opinion of one techelis string, since the Gemara here states that through Avram's refusal to accept a chut, a single string, his descendants merited the chut, single string, shel techelis, which represents the misfav tzitzis. And this would not support Rashi's opinion of the need for two strings of techelis. Rashi's comment on the phrase chut shel in the Gemara is that it refers to the mitzvah of tzitzis in general. And the Torah Tamima theorizes that since the language of the Gemara of one techelis string does not support Rashi's view of the requirement of two techelis strings, Rashi said this is just a general way of referring to the mitzvah of tzitzis but not getting into the particulars. The Torah Tamima concludes his comments on this Gemara by pointing out that this price is brought in the Yalkut and Tanhuma in a little different form. There, it has the chut in the Pasuk corresponding to the chut shel techelis, i.e. the tzitzis, but instead of the sroch na'al, the shoe strap corresponding to the straps of tefillin, it relates it to the shoe of the, shoe of the chalitza ceremony that cancels yibum, the lever of marriage. He says that works great since both things are shoes, but he theorizes that, that the Brysa here preferred to state it and to relate it to the straps of the tefillin, the commonality, commonality being that they're both made of leather, rather than the chalitza shoe, since the chalitza shoe bears with it a certain negativity since the couple involved chose not to marry and not perpetuate the name of the deceased brother. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it and found it meaningful. I look forward to getting together with you on the next episode of TTT 10-Minute Torah Tamimah.